0: All right, citizen scientists, this is a brand new trailer from a podcast that I absolutely love, and hopefully we'll be doing a collaboration with them soon enough. The name of the podcast is the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, and I highly suggest checking them out. They are hilarious. Their banter back and forth is awesome. They're extremely knowledgeable, and it's just definitely something to look into, so Again, it's called the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, and you can find them on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Oh, and on a personal side note, Nick, I did not forget about you. Keep an eye out for the bonus episode, brother. Greetings, I'm Declassified
1: Dave.
2: I'm Mystery Mike.
1: I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Join us on the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour Mondays,
2: where we look into the dark secrets of the conspiratorial world.
1: We'll explore the likes of government cover-ups, the existence of otherworldly beings, unexplained phenomena, and cryptids. We tackle these topics with an open mind, a sense of humor, and dapper drippage.
2: Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen on
3: all podcast platforms.
2: With my dog coming over the
1: fence.
0: What uh,
3: are
2: you reporting? We got someone or something crawling around
1: out here. Did you see what it was? Was it a person or an animal? Or- oh, Jesus Christ, you better. Sure. See ya. Hello.
2: Get somebody out here. What's going on now, sir? That son of a bitch is about six foot nine, I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at him. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, hang on. He's right. Is he in your yard, sir? Yeah, God, he's big. Okay, what's he doing in your yard? He's looking at me.
4: Somebody along the line said that the universe is not only stranger than you think, it's stranger than you can think.
5: There's a statement I use, if you're green you grow, if you're ripe you rot, so I like to stay green (laughs) until I'm not here anymore, just keep learning, because that's what it's all about.
0: And welcome to the show everybody, you're listening to Bigfoot and the Citizen Scientist Podcast. I'm your host Tyler and I want to thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or story you would like to share with me... Shoot me an email at science at gmail.com. Or if you're listening on anchor.fm, feel free to hit that message button to send me in a voice message. I can play them on future episodes or just listen in. Either way works, just get at me. I wanted to start this podcast off with getting sincere with my listeners. I am fully aware at how mediocre my podcast episodes can be, and am trying to find a second person to help run it and for me to interact with while recording. I have a plethora of Sasquatch information in my head, but I am finding that I am not good at reciting it unless in a conversation. So if you're interested in becoming a second host of this podcast, please contact me and let's grow this thing bigger. I also am curious to know about what all of you, the listener, would like to see and hear from my podcast. I am trying to pull away from the average Sasquatch podcast theme out there, hence the biography studies, the subject studies, and an occasional interview. I recently heard of a very well-known Sasquatch podcast host complain about the lack of creativity in the Sasquatch podcast world. Copying theirs and other similar podcasts and feel like I don't fit the bill, but it has made me think and come to the conclusion that I want to take my podcast into another direction. Something completely different than anything out there already. So if you have any suggestions, please contact me at sciencemeetsbigfoot at gmail.com Or on any of my social media platforms just know that I'm hardly ever on Twitter so Facebook or Instagram would be your best bet going that route moving on today we focus in on infrasound how it originates its practical uses and how it fits into the Sasquatch research world so buckle up and get ready for a deep dive into infrasound
3: In life, there are many sounds that make us uncomfortable, like car alarms, jackhammers, sirens, and my upstairs neighbors. But what if a sound made you uncomfortable, even though you couldn't hear it? Hey friends, welcome to Vinylize. I am Jarrett New, and today we're gonna be talking about infrasound, which is a very strange category of sound that's so low it's almost imperceptible to the human ear that is, unless you crank up the volume and then some weird stuff starts to happen. All right, now before we get to infrasound, we gotta know a little bit about sound in general. So basically, human beings can hear sound frequencies between 20 hertz and 20,000 hertz. Bass sounds like a heartbeat have low frequencies, and treble sounds like a clap have high frequencies. Now, without getting all technical, that is the limit of human hearing. If its frequency is any higher or lower than that, we can't hear it. Maybe dogs or whales can, but we can't. So here's where it gets interesting. Infrasound is any sound that's below 20 hertz. So we're talking about very low frequencies, the deepest of deep bass. Now, at this point, you may be thinking, if it's that low and we can't hear it, Who cares? Well, here's the secret. You actually can hear them if you turn them up loud enough. Let me explain. So we got our normal sound wave right here, but if we turn it up louder, you see that the waves actually get higher. That's known as volume or simply loudness. So basically, if we turn up the volume, we can finally hear this mysterious infrasound. Now, in order to do this, you got to have the right equipment, like a good pair of headphones, some quality speakers, or better yet, a really beefy subwoofer. Now, fortunately, I found two videos on YouTube which played some very low frequencies. The first one plays a 20 Hertz tone, which is the lowest sound that we can normally hear, and the second one plays a 19 Hertz tone, which is infrasound. So, in addition to hearing the samples through my headphones, I also played them through my vinyl setup. The computer was turned up all the way, and my Yamaha receiver was set to a volume of 70. And I didn't want to risk going any louder than that, because those woofers on the speakers were going absolutely nuts. I mean, just look at how crazy they're vibrating. Very impressive, so as a side note, I definitely have to hand it to Klipsch. Their speakers can really take some abuse. I have never seen speakers do that before but then again, I've never played infrasound. So basically the 20 Hertz tone was kind of like a deep bass rumble and overall it sounded pretty clean. However, the 19 Hertz tone, the infrasound tone, sounded more like a helicopter with the blades spinning around and around. Now, like I said earlier, the most bizarre thing about infrasound is that it tends to make people uneasy the longer they listen to it. There's just something about it that doesn't seem normal. Also, if it's played loud enough, it does affect our inner ear, and that's why a lot of people report feeling dizzy after listening to it. This stuff is no joke. And in fact, during an experimental infrasonic concert in the UK in 2003, test subjects were exposed to a 17 hertz tone during two pieces of music. And according to the study, the mere presence of that tone made about 22% of the audience feel anxious, uneasy, sad, nervous, fearful, dizzy, and overall, very uncomfortable. And it's because of these effects that many people have labeled it the fear frequency. Also, because these tones mess with our heads so much, several horror movies are rumored to have used them, like The First Paranormal Activity, The Shining, and Irreversible. Also, I gotta be honest with you, when I was first researching this topic and I started hearing these tones at a decent volume with headphones, I couldn't really take it for more than 30 seconds. It started to make my head feel a little wobbly. So overall, from what I experienced, I would definitely have to agree that there's something very weird about infrasound.
0: Alright, guys. So this next section coming up is gonna be different hertz tones to listen to. Uh, I'm trying to give you an idea of what infrasound is all about uh, to the, for the people that don't really have an idea yet. So the first tone uh, I have downloaded um, and put on my episode is at 40 hertz, uh, and I'll play that for one minute, and then I'll go down to 30 hertz for one minute. 20 hertz for one minute, 19 hertz for one minute, 18, and then to 17. Uh, At any point in these, if you start getting dizzy or if you're driving, I highly suggest not listening to this while you drive. Uh, That had pretty crazy effect, uh, different effects on me while listening to this. So uh, heed my warning. Uh, If you're stationary, uh, have at it. Please make sure to use discretion while playing this audio, and do not hurt your ears. So this first tone is going to be at 40 hertz, then 30, then 20, as I said before. So please again, use discretion, and here we go. And for good measure, here is 8 hertz.
4: The
5: perfect elephant. Andre Kotz has worked with elephants for 25 years and knows the obvious behaviors that will show the elephants are hearing the infrasound.
4: Andre, even though these are rescued elephants, do you still see a change in behavior when a thunderstorm's approaching like they would in the wild? When they hear a thunderstorm, they'll more than likely turn their backsides together, face into the thunderstorm, ears out with a spontaneous freeze. It's as though there's a secret message or something that happens, and they just stand still. After the spontaneous freeze, you're more than likely find that they start chatting amongst each other, low rumbles. If they respond in that way to our thunderstorm, then that's proof in a way that they can hear a part of the sound spectrum that we can't even tap
5: into. Absolutely, absolutely, without a question of doubt. Although the speaker is positioned close to the elephants, the infrasound it produces will have the intensity of a distant storm. The herd is busy feeding, so Patrick is looking for a definite change in behavior.
4: Bruce, I think we're ready to play the speaker. Okay,
3: Patrick, audio in two seconds.
5: It may seem strange, but because the campervan is generating sounds below our hearing threshold, we can't hear it. But we can certainly see it, as air inside the van vibrates with sound energy. The elephants react immediately, turning to the speaker. They're clearly reacting to the sound, but Patrick can't hear a thing.
4: That's incredible, they've all stopped and they've changed their behavior. As soon as Bruce started playing that sound from the camper van, you can even hear them vocalizing. Their ears fanning out. It's absolutely amazing how it completely changes their behavior. Bruce, it worked
0: absolutely no question about it, and their ability to determine the direction the sound was coming from, I was really impressed with that.
4: The elephants are back feeding now, but virtually the entire herd turned and faced our infrasonic speaker listening in to that secret sound of the storm.
5: This hidden channel of infrasound could explain a great mystery of the natural world. How elephants know where to go when they migrate vast distances in search of water.
0: Infrasound, sometimes referred to as low-frequency sound, describes sound waves with a frequency below the lower limit of audibility, generally 20 Hz. Hearing becomes gradually less sensitive as frequency decreases, so for humans to perceive infrasound, the sound pressure must be sufficiently high. The ear is the primary organ for sensing low sound, but at higher intensities it is possible to feel infrasound vibrations in various parts of the body. The study of such sound waves is sometimes referred to as infrasonics, covering sounds beneath 20 hertz down to 0.1 hertz, and rarely to 0.001 hertz. People use this frequency range for monitoring earthquakes and volcanoes, charting rock and petroleum formations below the earth, and also in ballistocardiography and seismocardiography to study the mechanics of the heart. Infrasound is characterized by an ability to get around obstacles with little dissipation. In music, acoustic waveguide methods, such as large pipe organ, or for reproduction, exotic loudspeaker designs such as transmission line, rotary woofer, and traditional subwoofer designs can produce low frequency sounds, including near infrasound. Subwoofers designed to produce infrasound are capable of sound reproduction an octave or more below that of most commercially available subwoofers and are sometimes 10 times the size. Infrasound is defined by the American National Standards Institute as, quote, sound at frequencies less than 20 hertz, end quote. History and study. The Allies of World War I first used infrasound to locate artillery. One of the pioneers in infrasonic research was French scientist Vladimir Garou, His interest in infrasonic waves first came about in his laboratory during the 1960s when he and his laboratory assistants experienced shaking laboratory equipment and pain in the eardrums, but his microphones did not detect audible sound. He concluded it was infrasound caused by a large fan and duct system and soon got to work preparing tests in the laboratory. One of his experiments was an infrasonic whistle, an oversized organ Infrasound can result from both natural and man-made sources. Natural Events Infrasonic sound sometimes results naturally from severe weather, surf, avalanches, earthquakes, volcanoes, waterfalls, caving of icebergs, meteors, lightning, and upper atmospheric lightning. Non-linear ocean wave interactions in ocean storms produce pervasive infrasound vibrations around 0.2 hertz, known as microbarums. According to the infrasonics program at National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, infrasonic arrays can be used to locate avalanches in the Rocky Mountains and to detect tornadoes on the high plains several minutes before they touch down. Animal Communication Whales, elephants, hippopotamus, rhinoceros, giraffe, peacocks, alligators, and other known animals are known to use infrasound to communicate other distances up to hundreds of miles in the case of whales. In particular, the Sumatran rhinoceros has been shown to produce sounds with frequencies as low as 3 Hz, which have similarities with the song of the humpback whale. The roar of the tiger contains infrasound of 18 Hz and lower. The purr of felines is reported to cover a range of 20-50 to Hz. It has also been suggested that migrating birds use naturally generated infrasound from sources such as turbulent airflow over mountain ranges as a navigational aid. Infrasound also may be used for long distance communication, especially well documented in baleen whales and African elephants. The frequency of baleen whale sounds can range from 10 Hz to 31 kHz, and that of elephants call from 15 Hz to 35 Hz. Both can be extremely loud, around 117 decibels, allowing communication for many kilometers with a possible maximum range of around 10 kilometers, or 6 miles for elephants, and potentially hundreds of kilometers for some whales. Elephants also produce infrasound waves that travel through solid ground and are sensed by other herds using their feet, although they may be separated by hundreds of kilometers. These calls may be used to coordinate the movement of herds and allow mating elephants to find each other. Human-Created Sources Infrasound can be generated by human processes such as sonic booms and explosions, both chemical and nuclear, or by machinery such as diesel engines, wind turbines, and specially designed mechanical transducers. Certain specialized loudspeakers designed are also able to reproduce extremely low frequencies. These include large-scale rotary woofer models of subwoofer loudspeaker, as well as large horn-loaded bass reflex, sealed and transmission line loudspeakers. 20 Hz is considered the normal low frequency limit of human hearing. When pure sine waves are reproduced under ideal conditions and at very high volume, a human listener will be able to identify tones as low as 12 Hz. Below 10 Hz is possible to perceive the single cycles of the sound, along with a sensation of pressure at the eardrum. From about 1000 Hz, the dynamic range of the auditory system decreases with decreasing frequency. This compression is observable in the equal loudness level contours, and it implies that even a slight increase in level can change the perceived loudness from barely audible to loud. Combined with the natural spread and threshold within a population, its effects may be that a very low frequency sound, which is inaudible to some people, may be loud to others. One study has suggested that infrasound may cause feelings of awe or fear in humans. It has also been suggested that since it is not consciously perceived, it may make people feel vaguely that odd or supernatural events are taking place. A scientist working at Sydney University's Auditory Neuroscience Laboratory reports growing evidence that infrasound may affect some people's nervous system by stimulating the vestibular system and this has shown in animal models an effect similar to seasickness. In research conducted in 2006 focusing on the impact of sound emissions from wind turbines on the nearby population, perceived infrasound has been associated to effects such as annoyance or fatigue depending on its intensity with little evidence supporting physiological effects of infrasound below the human perception threshold. Later studies, however, have linked inaudible infrasound to effects such as fullness, pressure, or tinnitus, and acknowledged that a possibility that it could disturb sleep. Other studies have also suggested associations between noise levels in turbines and self reported sleep disturbances in the nearby population, while adding that the contribution of infrasound to this effect is still not fully understood. Air is a very inefficient medium for transferring low-frequency vibrations from a transducer to the human body. Mechanical connection of the vibration source to the human body, however, provides a potential dangerous combination. The US space program, worried about the harmful effects of rocket flight on astronauts, ordered vibration tests that used cockpit seats mounted on vibration tables to transfer, quote, round And other frequencies directly to the human subjects. Very high power levels of 160 decibels were achieved at frequencies of 2 to 3 Hertz. Test frequencies ranged from 0.5 to 40 Hertz. Test subjects suffered motor ataxia, nausea, visual disturbance, degraded task performance, and difficulties in communication. The report a review of published research on low-frequency noise and its effects contains a long list of research about exposure to high-level infrasound among humans and animals. For instance, in 1972, Orden exposed 42 young men to tones at 7.5 hertz at 130 decibels for 15 minutes. That's five zero minutes. This exposure caused no adverse effects other than reported drowsiness and a slight blood pressure increase. In 1975, Slarvin Johnson exposed four male subjects to infrasound at frequencies from 1 to 20 Hertz for eight minutes at a time at levels up to 144 decibels. There was no evidence of any detrimental effects other than middle ear discomfort. Tests of high-intensity infrasound on animals resulted in measurable changes such as cell changes and ruptured blood vessel walls. On May 31, 2003, a group of UK researchers held a mass experiment where they exposed some 700 people to music laced with soft 17 hertz sine waves played at a level described as, quote, near the edge of hearing produced by an extra-long stroke subwoofer mounted two-thirds of the way from the end of a seven-meter-long plastic sewer pipe. The experimental concert, entitled Infrasonic, took place in the Purcell Room over the course of two performances, each consisting of four musical pieces. Two of the pieces in each concert had 17 hertz tones played underneath. In the second concert, the piece that were to carry a 17 hertz undertone were swapped so that test results would not focus on any specific musical piece. The participants were not told which pieces included the low-level 17 Hertz near Infrasonics tone. The presence of the tone resulted in a significant number of respondents reporting feeling uneasy or sorrowful, getting chills down the spine, or a nervous feeling of revulsion or fear. In representing the evidence to the British Association for the Advancement of Science, Professor Richard Wiseman said, quote, These results suggest that low-frequency sound can cause people to have unusual experiences even though they cannot consciously detect infrasound. Some scientists have suggested that this level of sound may be present at some allegedly haunted sites and so cause people to have odd sensations that they attribute to a ghost. Our findings support these ideas. End quote. So how does any of this relate to Sasquatch? Well, sometimes in the Bigfoot community, you may hear researchers and witnesses talk about being quote zapped. The zap they are referring to, I believe, is in fact infrasound. When we think about Bigfoot and Infrasound, some are quick to dismiss the idea that Bigfoot has the ability to produce infrasound. But we must understand that there are natural and man-made sources of infrasound. Some make the argument that Bigfoot is too human to make infrasound, but we know that some vocalists, such as Tim Storms, can produce notes in the infrasound range, so it's still in the realm of possibilities. Some studies indicate that infrasound may cause feelings of awe or fear in humans. This is commonly reported in the Bigfoot community from researchers and witnesses, but that is not all. Because a person cannot consciously perceive the infrasound, it may make them feel that odd or supernatural events are taking place. Could this possibly explain some of the wild claims by researchers and witnesses? It's definitely something worth considering. In my opinion, this might even explain some of the disappearing bigfoot stories that we often hear about. It might even explain the idea of quote, mind speak in portals. The idea of infrasound can also overlap into several other areas. Some studies have shown that some people get an uneasy or sorrowful feeling when exposed to infrasound. Some even report getting chills down the spine or nervous feelings of revulsion or fear. It seems that infrasound can produce some of the same effects as high EMFs. In ghost hunting, they often use EMF meters to check for high EMF frequency readings. We know that high EMF can cause a person to experience numerous things that parallel infrasound effects. Fear, paranoia, nausea, and a host of other effects can be caused by infrasound and high EMF. These are things we need to consider when we are researching. The only way mankind has ever discovered new things is by keeping one's mind logically open. If you have been following my podcast for any length of time, then you know that I encountered what they call mind-speak, along with an unnaturally occurring switch of emotion. For a very long time, I went with the ideology that I was mind-spoken to, and just never understood the change of emotion. But the further I have been diving into this topic, the more I'm starting to wonder if what I experienced was actually an effect of infrasound. As aforementioned, there are too many questions to be answered to know any of it for sure, but it's an amazing phenomenon that could account for a lot of mysterious and seemingly unexplainable Sasquatch accounts.
1: okay so this story takes place in the summer of 1980 at an adventure camp in tamagami ontario my experience happened in the summer of 1980 i had just turned 14. my sister and i went to a summer camp called canadian adventure camp in tamagami ontario it's a water skiing and gymnastic camp she was a gymnast and I was a water skier. This was our third year as campers and was the highlight of our summer back then. I call this an experience because to this day, I don't have a concrete explanation for what happened. The camp was a four hour bus ride from our home in Toronto and then a 30 minute boat ride to the private island where the camp was. Tamagami is extremely scenic lakes dotted with islands surrounded by forest. Despite our many amenities at camp we were fairly remote. Being amongst the oldest girls at camp our cabin was at the very end of the trail that led away from the main barracks of the camp. They put us there to ensure our privacy from the eldest boys. Being at the end of the trail they couldn't walk past our cabin. Our cabins were bare bones and screened in halfway up. Each girl had a few cubby holes for clothes and hooks for our towels and bathing suits. There were eight of us in the cabin plus our counsellor and most of us were there for a month. We had a lot of snacks stored in our cabin. Parents would send care packages of cookies, candies and every day we were allowed to visit a tuck shop to buy chips, chocolate bars, etc. Since quite a few of the girls in my cabin were gymnasts, they stashed more than they snacked. During my second week at camp, weird things began to happen. Someone started coming into our cabin at night and taking our stash of treats. Girls would say, did you guys hear something here last night? Did you take my cookies? Hey, do you think the boys are taking our stuff? This went on for three nights and then got weirder. One girl had a Polaroid camera and in the morning all of the pictures were on the cabin floor, all black. I recall waking up and hearing the clicking of a camera and seeing the flash go off but falling right back to sleep. On these nights our cabin was ransacked, clothes thrown around, trunks and suitcases open and rummaged through. I also remember one of the girls had a bucket of popcorn. It was completely eaten and popcorn bits were everywhere in the morning. After grilling the boys and them denying any culpability over and over again, we decided to get up a sting. We arranged our cots in a semicircle facing the screen door of the cabin. We were all loaded with flashlights and waited in our beds in the dark to catch our brazen intruder. We were whispering and waiting when someone said, I hear someone coming. Footfalls on the pine needle path. Unmistakable. Shuffle, shuffle, step. Then one, two steps up the door, and the screen door opened with a shriek. Someone yelled, Now! for us to turn on our flashlights. The next morning, we had all slept through the morning dip and almost missed breakfast. I was shaken awake by a counselor from another cabin wait what what the f all of us were in a panic what happened last night did you see anything who was it how could we not know we all had been keyed up waiting to catch our intruder but apparently we were duped again we talked about it amongst ourselves during breakfast but other than that no one mentioned it again Though they did move us to a new cabin closer to the center of camp. I will never forget this experience and have wondered what happened to us in Tamagami that summer. It's not until recently, listening to people like Scott Carpenter and Steve Ishtal, that I feel I have some insight into my experience. Infrasound, infrasound, infrasound. Between 4 and 8 hertz. Has been known to induce deep meditation. Other frequencies make you feel scared, etc. Could this have been a Sasquatch? And does Sasquatch have the ability to make you fall asleep instantly? I will always wonder. I believe this is a case where a group of girls were zapped, or as Karen phrased it, they were affected by infrasound. Infrasound can be created by many things. In the animal world, elephants use it to communicate at a distance of up to 10 miles. Whales are able to stun their prey with powerful blasts of inaudible sounds, which is used to paralyze their prey. So, is Sasquatch using infrasound to their advantage? I think so.
2: In the vicinity of Patrick in Salem County in New Jersey, a large number of pigs were killed or mutilated. At least one had been carried off by something unknown, and its blood left trail along some bushes at a height of three feet. This indicated that something larger than three feet had carried it off. On to the next one. In the Kearney's Point area in Salem County in New Jersey, several 110 to 150-pound pigs appeared to have been lifted out of their pens and dragged 500 yards. Their throats were eaten out and claw marks scored on their backs and shoulders. Mysterious footprints were found in the area. The wife of the farmer, whose farm this was on, saw a big creature run across the road. After this, she carried a gun when she worked on the farm. The deer population declined in this period in the same area as well. On to the next one. In Sussex County in New Jersey. Back East, when I was about 14, a buddy of mine and myself went out shooting our BB guns, and we came across this old, boarded-up carnation creamery. We, being kids, we broke into this place. It was at least 150 years old. So, we started to look at this old milk wagon, the old horse and buggy kind. After some time, we came across this ladder that went into the attic. My friend, being smaller than myself, gave me his gun and said, I want to take a look up there. As I watched him climb up the ladder and look inside, he yelled down to me, Dude! Something up here smells really bad. As I watch him turn around on the ladder, I see him stop turning, and he jumps from the top step. He comes right down next to me. I say, what the heck did you do that for? And as he says, he can see these hairy legs behind this box. Something big runs across the attic floor and breaks down this wall to the other side of the garage and runs across the roof and out into the cornfield i can remember looking across the room out the window and seeing its reflection on the window next door to the place we were in and it was big it ran the distance of the building in five or six foot hops and through the wall we did not tell too many people because we did not want to get in trouble we did break in it occurred at 1:30 ish in the afternoon on a clear day with good lighting it was by some very big overgrown fields of corn like nobody owns anymore, and there was a pit where somebody was digging dirt for who knows what. Some of my school friends said that someone was swimming or making a bunch of noise in that lake that night, and the cops put a spotlight on something big climbing out of the lake that ran into the wood. On to the next one. in mercer county in new jersey the sighting occurred on a trail between spring lake and the delaware river the area is marshland and swampy a friend and i were going fishing after school this was in late spring at about 5 p.m we were walking down a trail around a slight bend the trail went straight for about 50 plus yards that's when we saw something cross our trail ahead of us we only saw it for about 5 to 10 seconds but it felt like time stopped when it happened. It took one or two steps and turned and looked at us. It was traveling from our left to our right. It paused for a moment when it saw us and then quickly moved away. I wouldn't say it ran, but it moved much quicker than it did before it saw us. We just looked at each other and said, what the heck is that? My friend wanted to run back down the path to the lake. I wanted to run after it. I had to keep saying let's go see what it is before he would follow me, to the point it crossed our path. This took about 10 seconds. My friend followed behind me to the point where we saw it. We could see about a 100 yards in the direction it went, and we couldn't see it at all. I looked all around for tracks, and didn't see anything other than rub mark. We didn't smell anything strange, but the swamp area down there smelled bad anyway. We didn't go fishing that day and just went back home. I was a little scared at first, but I got really scared walking back home. On the walk back, we discussed what we saw. We knew no one would take us seriously and believe us. We were just kids, and we thought we would just get in trouble. We promised each other that we wouldn't tell anyone what we saw. It was over six feet tall, but it wasn't over seven. It was dark brown to black. At first, I thought it was a big guy in a fur coat, until it turned slightly and looked at me then i knew it wasn't a bear or a man this area connects back to crosswalk creek and into the fort dick pineland area i've often thought about this day and about the new jersey devil folklore and wondered if it was the same creature we saw that day after all these years i've only told my wife and daughter about this event it was approximately 5 to 6 p.m it was a sunny day Clear skies. It had to be in the seventies. The area is wetland. Referring to Barry's description of singing at the Sierra site, we find comparison to a chant from a Japanese monastery that welled out of the gut and droned on and on, comprised of ums, ahs, and oo. This is surprisingly congruent with overtone singing wherein a singer establishes a stable, fundamental pitch, and the vocal cords are manipulated to produce additional pitches above the drone. The Mongolian-Siberian variant of this is known as Tuvan throat singing. Although the technique is used in a variety of cultures, overtone singing is practiced in Tibetan Buddhism, and until 1976 was practiced among Japan's Ainu. While the human vocal apparatus is obviously capable of overtone singing, the technique would be much easier and perhaps more elaborate with additional vocal cords, an aspect of Bigfoot physiology proposed by some researchers. On episode 29 of the Strange Familiar's podcast, Timothy Renner captured what sounds uncannily like overtone singing during an interview with a Bigfoot witness at his encounter site to me it sounds like someone or someone moaning or doing like a tuvan throat singing or something in the background runner says i don't know what this was and i didn't notice it while we were there constant uninterrupted drones are found in indigenous music worldwide often used to induce altered states of consciousness and contact the spirit world some australian aboriginal cultures believe the didgeridoo a tubular wind instrument, perhaps predating all other musical instruments, allows them to access the dream time, the other world. The sound of a didgeridoo is similar to overtone singing. The player's buzzing lips create a drone over which additional pitches are hummed or sung with their vocal cords. One witness was on an overnight expedition with several Bigfoot researchers near the Klamath River when his seven-year-old son broke off from the group. Rushing to follow, the witness watched in horror as his son froze and collapsed, almost as if having a seizure. The boy's eyes were glazed over when his father, now at his side, noticed a sensation of nausea and a loss of focus. There was a sound, almost felt more than heard, coming from the tree line. The closest thing I could compare it to, it's an instrument played by the Australian Aborigines, the witness said. It's called a didgeridoo. It makes a very, very weird, distinct sound. The witness then noticed a dark, hairy figure fifteen yards away in the forest. The shoulders and the head of a very, very large person. With every ounce of concentration and focus, the witness just discharged his firearm into the air and into the creature's knee, as howls filled the forest. The witness immediately evacuated to the hospital, where he claimed his son suffered a bear attack. The boy recovered quickly, but remained traumatized. Witnesses believed the boy's seizure was caused by infrasound but are researchers conflating the physiological effects of infrasound with altered state of consciousness? Researcher Scott Carpenter, who, when he finally saw Bigfoot, was compelled to nonchalantly walk away, almost certainly in an altered state of mind. The Sasquatch's ability to hypnotize and change forms in order to trick people tends to be a recurring theme in many native legends, wrote Bobby Short like so many anomalies associated with bigfoot the notion of large hairy hominid possessing the power to induce altered state enjoys strong precedent in the native american lore tribes of the puget sound expressly equated the effects of hypnosis with what modern researchers would call infrasound claiming the sihatek killed their game entirely by hypnotism the salish believed giant stick Indian, the Siatko played pranks on humans, such as removing their clothes and tying their legs apart, made possible by a sort of hypnotic helplessness engendered by the sound of the giant whistle. In the Quinelot legend, the giant Blue keep possessed powers of hypnotism, as did Nakani of the American Northwest, a Spokane informant told anthropologist Ed Bush, He reported having ascended a hill in the early hours of the morning as it was just beginning to become daylight. He was immediately aware of a strong odor and saw a shadow as of a huge man a short distance away. He remembered absolutely nothing that occurred the rest of the day. When awareness returned, it was late afternoon and he found himself walking back down the same trail and route that he had gone up that morning. He believed that he had been under a sort of hypnosis. This anecdote finds resonance with notions of missing time. UFO experiences, fairy witnesses, and psychonauts all regularly report time dilation as well. Perry hominid, elsewhere in the world like Central Asia's Ghoul and Siberia's kayak allegedly possess similar hypnotic abilities as do a variety of other cryptids, to say nothing of fairies, witches, and demons. Indeed, researcher Dmitry Bayanov draws comparisons between large hairy hominid and the Domovoy, a Russian fairy, who accordingly According to lexicographer Vladimir Dahl can be on Good Sunday's night in the cattle shed. He is shaggy, but nothing else can be remembered because he knocks out memory. Many psychedelic experiences and, by extension, altered states of consciousness are preceded by a strong, overpowering buzzing noise, often compared to a swarm of bees or hornets. While profound silences are commonly reported before sightings, Alien, fairy, and Bigfoot witnesses also report similar humming sounds. Late alien abduction researcher John Mack found that an odd buzzing or humming sound indicated an abduction was about to occur among its subjects. The famous fairy abduction of Anne Jeffries was accompanied by a sound as if a thousand flies were buzzing around her. Moreover, buzzing noises are regularly reported in Martian apparitions, out-of-body experiences, and near-death experiences. A Norwegian folktale describes a young adventurer overnighting in the forest who, during a rainstorm, encountered a curious set of anomalies, a hollow metallic sound, like the croaking of the frog and a penetrating whistle and piping, and a buzzing sound as if from a hundred spinning wheels. Fearing fairy, the boy ran, hearing the heavy tread of someone who moved over the crackling branches of the underworld. The source was a dark shape which approached, with a pair of eyes shining like glowing stars. Calling out, he received a growl in response, interpreted as coming from a bear. Late Bigfoot researcher Rob Riggs noted a trend of strange humming sounds frequently heard in ghost light and wild man sightings. One researcher was Bigfoot scouting in Washington when he heard a weird sound like a large bumblebee or fly darting around his head, though nothing was visible. A handful of varying stories featuring similar sounds. In 1934 in Canada, Miss James Caulfield of Harrison, British Columbia hears a buzzing sound similar to that made by a hummingbird while washing clothes in the river. Turning, she sees a big man covered with hair from head to foot and hides her eyes for fear of the Bigfoot's alleged hypnotism. She screams and faints, but her cries draw her husband near. The creature flees. In 1976 in Washington, A 14-year-old Pierce County witness is retrieving clay pigeons when a bigfoot over eight feet tall rises from behind a tree. He simultaneously experiences tunnel vision, time dilation, paralysis, and a buzzing feeling in his head as they lock eyes. He turns to run and never sees the creature again. In 1977, Colorado, a rancher sees a landed flying father and two fair, blonde-haired people with tight-fitting, color-changing feet. Nearby, a box sits on the ground buzzing. Suddenly, a Bigfoot appears and walks toward the box, which changes tone. The creature falls to the ground, and the witness returns home post In 1981, Washington, a witness sleeping over at a friend's house awakens to the sound of a loud, grumbling, humming-type noise. Hard to describe, and unlike I had ever heard before. Looking out the window, which sits seven-eight feet off the ground, he sees a figure cupping its hands, as if trying to peer in. The witness is unable to rouse his friend, but after a time, the shape leaves, resuming its deep, thing thong type humming sound. All of a sudden, he was feeling like there was this buzzing sound of, like, bees, you know and it was lulling him into almost a trance, said researcher Brenton Swain of an Oklahoma witness who had seen Bigfoot near his property. As soon as he recognized it, Ant shook his head and started to ask, do you hear that? Something roared at him, and he said this roar shook him to the core. The witnesses grabbed his little brother and took off for the house, but another friend several yards ahead of them claimed to have never heard the vocalization. If altered states of consciousness play a role in Bigfoot sightings, sound could be one of several possible vectors for initiating interaction. After all, a buzz could easily be described as a drone or vice versa. Smell may also initiate altered states of consciousness. In 1995, a fisherman in Fresno County, California, flagged down a compatriot drawing his attention An eight foot tall, reddish haired creature on a hill. The sighting was accompanied by an overpowering, wet, moldy animal muff. I tried to follow it, but again I felt an almost hypnotic sensation take over me. And my partner later told me he felt the same way. The fisherman later wrote, I couldn't move. We watched it go right up to the top of the hill and over it. I felt very overwhelmed. The witness that the odor made him feel almost hypnotized or drugged and retained profound emotions from the event that caused him to cry whenever he remembered the sighting not unlike the strong psychological breakthrough experienced in some psychedelic trip perhaps flesh and blood bigfoot have harnessed these powers of hypnosis and all of their supernatural behavior disappearing invulnerability to bullet phasing is merely illusionary More skeptically, perhaps, these altered states of consciousness are induced by natural environmental factors caused by a shared set of consistent, yet artificial illumination. Example being enormous wild men among witnesses, or perhaps an inhuman other wishing to interact in these realities lures witnesses into an altered state of consciousness. This other may be physical, interdimensional, spiritual, or something in between. The large, hairy, wild man seen by witnesses may be a true faith or one of a dozen masks.
0: And that's all I have for you today, there's still so much to be covered on this topic and how it relates to Sasquatch and other cryptid encounters, so be sure to keep an eye out for future episodes covering the topic. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and hit that subscription button if you haven't already, be sure to leave a review, and share this show wherever you so wish, in any manner you so wish. High ratings and high download numbers help create better sounding media and progressed material, so share away citizen scientists. As I mentioned earlier, I'm looking for a second host to work with on this podcast, so if you're interested, please email me at sciencemeetsbigfoot at gmail.com or contact me via social media. I'm looking for someone who is a respectful skeptic and who will take the role seriously. Please be aware that this is an unpaid position, so ideally I'm looking for someone with a match fascination, history, but not necessary, and desire to study the phenomenon for no other reason than the aforementioned. In other words, someone with a skeptical scientific mindset on this subject. If you think you fit the bill, please contact me and we can talk. Alright, I want to thank everyone that tuned in to today's episode. I hope you learned as much about Infrasound as I did and maybe a glimpse of how it's applicable to the Sasquatch phenomenon. So, before I let you go, please remember to love yourself, love each other, be kind, be safe, and until next time...